What's up and welcome to the single player experience. As always, I'm your host Sebastian Malden and today we're doing a little bit of a different episode than the norm. Yeah, that's right. In today's episode, I'm having a one-on-one conversation with Matt Hackett, the author of the book, How to Make a Video Game by Yourself and the indie developer of A Wizard's Lizard. I'm so excited to have Matt on the show today to talk about his book, and we're also going to dive into some of the nuances of video game development. We're also going to talk about some of the single-player games that Matt likes, and Matt is going to attempt to beat the Pro Nerd Trivia Challenge. That's right, he's actually going to attempt to get all five questions correct in the Pro Nerd Trivia Challenge. Ladies and gentlemen, we got all this and more coming right at you right after the intro. DJ, start the intro. This is the Single Player Experience, the podcast that helps single player gamers manage their video game backlog. I'm your host Sebastian Malden and my main quest is to help you manage your ever-growing video game backlog by letting you know which single player games are worth your time and money so that you can have the best single player experience. Now without further ado, let's start the show. DJ, cut the beat. Hey everyone, like I said in the intro, we have a very special guest joining us today. He's the host of the Make the Game podcast. He's an indie game developer. He's the developer of A Wizard's Lizard. He's the author of How to Make a Video Game All by Yourself. He's the one, the only, Matt Hackett. (laughs) Matt, how you doing today? Yeah! (laughs) There's that, would you say, WWE... In times, I don't style, have a theme yeah. song. Oh, maybe my podcast has a theme song. Maybe we'll bring that in here. Yeah, yeah. Like, just oh, I should have had some sunglasses I could take off. Yeah, yeah. Just bring it in. We'll add it in post production. It, it'll sound great. <laughs> I like it. I like the energy. So, Matt, yeah. for the people who don't know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. There's a lot of people who don't know me. <laughs> Anyone who does know me probably knows me from my first indie game company called Lost Decade Games. Uh, we existed around 2010 or so. We were notable because we were one of the first game developers to really uh, dive deep into HTML5 back when that was a thing. It basically meant web tech is now cool enough to make video games and not just Flash and stuff. Um, We had a Wizard's Lizard, as you mentioned, which is uh, by far our most popular game. Some people may have actually heard of that one. And then uh, I made a game called Indie Game Sim under the uh, Lost Decade Games umbrella. And then we also had a uh, moderately popular podcast called Lost Cast. We ran for like six years. Every week, we really uh, grinded. There's over 240-something episodes. Um, If you're into game development at all, check out Lost Cast. And then obviously my new um, podcast, Make the Game. But that's me. Most most recently, as you uh, mentioned, I got this book. So that's my my latest uh, claim to fame is I wrote a little book called How to Make a Video Game All by Yourself. I'm really proud of it. I'm sure I'm going to be talking about that a lot. Oh, for sure. For sure. We'll have to That's dive. Me. Yeah, we'll have to dive into it. But before we do, though, I have two questions for you. One is a question I like to ask all my first time guests, and that is the hardest question you can possibly ask a gamer. So, Matt, what is your top five games of all time? Okay, so this for me is actually super easy because um, I'm a kind of nerd. You could almost name anything about my life, and I have a spreadsheet for it. Right? I like so it. I've got a spreadsheet ready to go, and. Um, I kind of agonize over this and like, it's not a solid list. The, the, the games change around 
And part of the reason for that is because my top two games of all time are separated by 30 years. Their release dates are 30 years apart. So uh, my number one of all time is actually either this year or last year, depending how you look at it. Uh, A very recent release is called Spelunky 2. Yes. Let's go. I love Spelunky. Yeah. People who know me were waiting until I would mention Spelunky. I I have mentioned Spelunky almost every single podcast I'm ever on, so it was inevitable. (laughs) Um, my number two game came out 30 years before Spelunky 2. It's called Shining Force. To me, it's one of the greatest uh, turn-based uh, tactics games ever made. <clears throat> uh, then you wanted five. I, I have my list. Let's see. My list is like uh, 66 entries, but I'll just cover the top Wow. <laughs> yeah. My third favorite game is The Legend uh, of Zelda Link to the Past. Um, my fourth favorite game is Super Metroid. I've got a big uh, Metroid tattoo. And then my fifth game is, uh, I like this one because no one's ever heard of it. And it's one of the things I love about it so much. It's called, it's, it's very, uh, it's wordy. It's for Sega Genesis. It's called Dungeons and Dragons Warriors of the Eternal Sun. What? I know that's a lot. It's yeah. awesome. It's one of my favorite games. I love it because it's a role-playing game that you can uh, you can break. Like, I know I've played it so much. I have this kind of hack where I cheat the system. And like the very first thing I do is go go slay like 30 red dragons and I gain like like 100 levels. It's awesome. I oh, love that's that crazy. Game. Yeah. And does and it I still go hold on up? all day? But does it still hold it up does. well today? It holds up well. Yeah, because of that era, like I think uh, Warriors of the Eternal Sun was probably 92 or something. Mm-hmm. It's that gorgeous pixel art. You've got that um, Sega Genesis palette that that's just so you know, uh, uh, grungy and just of the era. And like um, the pixel art never goes um, sour. You know, it always looks exactly like it does. It, uh, it looks perfect. Graphics are amazing. Music's fantastic. I recommend it. Check it out if you're into Sega Genesis RPGs. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. So would you call the Sega Genesis your favorite console of all time? Ooh, ooh. Uh, ooh yeah, hard. that's the hard one. That I had to find a hard one there. That is a really hard one. Um, I would... It's such a close second, but I would have to go with Super Nintendo just That's because it's, one. yeah, like bottom line is just the amount of time I've spent playing the games. I just can't argue with the Mario games and Metroid and Zelda and, and Final Fantasy series alone, but Sega Genesis is up there. Nintendo Switch, honestly, is what a powerhouse. That system mm-hmm. gets better like by the week. The, the, the games on it, staggering, amazing. You know, I would have agreed with you before this year. This year is probably the least amount of time I've actually played my Switch. It's because, mm. like, the with the introduction of, like, the Steam Deck and, like, yep. a lot, all the games that have come on PS5 and Xbox Series X, it's just, it's probably the least amount of time I've spent on my Switch in quite some time. But I'm right there with you. It's, it's, it's a Hall of Fame console, like, no doubt about yep. it. It's just... You know, this year, I I guess I haven't gravitated to the Nintendo releases. And without those first party releases, I kind of found other means of playing third party games and indie games. So I'm like, I I wish I got to spend a little more time with it than what I did. But, you know, those are kind of the way the cookie crumbled this year. I think you're spot on with that. Yeah, I also got a Steam Deck and I, I haven't really touched my Switch um, like, <laughs> since I got it. For the Honestly, I think part of it is the fact that the Steam Deck just um, is so much bigger and more imposing. Like this, it makes mm-hmm. the Switch look kind of wee. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, that thing's like years old and the Steam Deck is brand new. I'm like, I got to try out the, you know, the, ver- was it Verified? Steam Deck Verified? Mm-hmm. Games. Like the whole tab of games. And it's like constantly you see new games pop into it. And I'm like, oh, that one's good with Steam Deck now? Well, I got to try that. So yeah, yeah, you're you're spot on there. Steam Deck has been kind of eating Switch's lunch this year, I think. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of that same way of like 
the load times, man, it's just the SSDs in that Steam Deck just feels everything feels like it loads up like just like butter. Whereas on my Switch, I have that that kind of like 30 second eclipse time to where I can put my Switch down and pick my phone up. And I can't do that with any other console in the market right now. And that's death, isn't it? Whenever <laughs> something else can pull your attention mm -hmm. away. Like my wife and I will kind of use that as a measuring stick for a TV show or a movie or something, right? Like if you're watching it and you your hand starts to drift towards your phone, like mm -hmm. it's death. It's not good. Like you're probably going to phase out. It's all downhill from there, right? Like the, the entertainment these days has like this, this moment to get your full attention. And if it doesn't, like every other piece of entertainment is just ready to like grab up your attention. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But let's go to your second icebreaker question. If Kirby absorbed cool. you, what would his powers become? What oh, would his powers would it get? I love this. Um, here's just a quick here's a, here's a quick note about Kirby. Just as a, as a as a game developer and a person who's fascinated with like creative creativity and stuff, right? Um, Nintendo is so genius. They designed Kirby to be easy for children to draw, right? Because all their franchises were like Mario is complicated. He's got to have his hat and his beard and his his overalls and and all this stuff, right? Like Link is complicated. Samus is complicated. Kirby is a circle. Anyone can draw Kirby, right? Mm -hmm. And like, as you mentioned, Kirby can, can you know, inhale monsters. And like Kirby's the perfect foil to become anything her, uh, Kirby wants to inhale, right? Um, so I love that about, I, I think Kirby's a really genius character for Nintendo. Um, if Kirby inhaled me, I, I've never thought about this before. It's a great question, <laughs> but I'm thinking maybe an octopus because my thing... Like this is my second stab at uh, being a full-time independent game developer. And this time around, I'm not part of a team. I used to be, you know, I used to have a, have a partner and we'd have other people we would work with whether on a contract uh, basis or whatever. This time I'm going all alone, um, as I wrote about in my book, how to make a video <laughs> game all by yourself. But um, the thing is like, when you're a solo developer, you have to wear every hat over time. Like I wear the marketing hat. Um, I wear the business development hat. I wear the programmer hat. I wear, uh, I draw, I draw arts. I, uh, I do, uh, I make, create sound effects. I, I curate music. I don't really make it myself, but there's all these different things you have to do. So yeah, these days, especially if Kirby inhaled me, I would be an octopus with eight arms and each arm is doing something, something different. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. So that kind of segues into the topic of the show, which is your book, by the way, how yeah. to make video games all by yourself. Yeah, paperback. Buy it today. So yes. Good. And, you know, before we go into the book itself, like where can we buy it? Sure. Great question. Um, So everything's always on my website. It's uh, my company's called Valadria, V-A-L-A-D-R-I-A. -A -A. Go to Valadria.com. Everything's there. The podcast, the book, my upcoming, upcoming game, which more, all that stuff. But the book is uh, on Amazon. That's that's like, for better or for worse, that's where books are sold. And mm -hmm. um, my book, you can get it. Uh, the Kindle version is ten bucks. The paperback is fifteen. It's two hundred beautiful pages. It's it's uh oh, there we go. Yeah. Anyway, it's on Amazon, and you know everybody uses Amazon, so that's that's where it is. Oh yeah, yeah. And Amazon rules the world at this point. It feels like it, at least it does. Yeah. My wife and I were talking about how like we used to you know go to like Target like every couple of weeks to get stuff you need, you know, paper mm -hmm. towels and just whatever. And and these days, like Amazon is just, you know, we we're talking earlier, like Steam Deck's eating Nintendo Switch's lunch. Like Amazon's been eating, you know, Target and Walmart for years. It's, <laughs> it's crazy, man. 
It really is. It really is. Like I was segueing into your book because you mentioned your Kirby power that you you had the power of an octopus, which you kind of like allude to in the book of like how to balance your time and how to like really manage basically you being the boss of every single aspect of a video game. So uh, before we get dive into that aspect, I got to ask two questions, though, like how what gave you the inspiration to come up with this book first? And then two, what would you say like what would you say is like the key advice that you, you, you would give to someone who's not good at multitasking? Mm, great questions. OK. OK. Um, so first one is where did the book come from? Right. Yeah. Basically, so, what was the inspiration? Yeah. So. um you know, the pandemic hit like 2020 or something. And my social calendar was wiped. I lived in LA at the time I was doing stuff. I was very active, ton of friends doing stuff all the time. I'm not doing anything for weeks or months. Right. And uh, I'm a very project oriented person. And I was like, I need something to occupy my time where I'm going to go nuts. Um, and I had a, like a big list of stuff I was interested in. And then like, I'm one of these, these people who like, I kind of put my fingers in everything. I, um, I'm a home chef. I, I write screenplays randomly. I, I paint, I draw. I, I'm like, I'm kind of scatterbrained sometimes, right? Um, but one of the things I really wanted to do was I wanted to write a book because as a person who's been making digital games for, you know, most of my career, I don't have anything to hold in my hands. You know, I was talking to my older brother who's been a triple A developer. He's not indie like me. Um, and he's been working on physical games most of his career. You know, he he has them. He has them in his hand. He puts them on his wall. He's like proud of them. He stacks them up. You know, I've got nothing like that. I've made so many dozens of games over my career. So I wanted something I could hold in my hands, you know. And uh, it was just kind of the perfect storm. I, I finally had the time. Um, notably, also, I was working as a full-time game developer, game developer at the time. And I I didn't have the energy to work on games in my spare time, which is what I normally do. I just make games all the time. But um, like my friends and I use the, the term spoons is like, you've got these energy spoons, right? Like all my programming spoons were used up at, by, at my day job. And so the idea of working on more game stuff, I was like, I can't do it, but I could write and I could draw and I could gather quotes and I could, you know, get feedback about the writing and stuff like that. So I had energy to write. I had the idea of like, you know, I had made a game by myself called Indie Game Sim. Uh, it's on Steam, and that was a pretty unique thing. I think it's becoming less and less unique. There's a lot more people like me out in the world who do who do that now. But at the time, it was you know a little bit more unique. So I found my angle. I had the time to do it. The stars sort of aligned, and then I just dedicated myself to it. Every uh, weekend, I would spend you know three six hours something like that, writing, editing, drawing, and just rinse and repeat. It took about two years. Two wow. years. So what was it like seeing like seeing your book in your hand, like your published oh, was, work in your hand? It was really cool. Um, and this thing went through lots of iterations like this had uh, at first it was black because it's just a great starting point. Um, I had one where it was way more illustrated than this. Uh, I had like a whole I had like a tree growing out of the ground and like this is your game growing. I don't know. I bunch of different uh, iterations um, over those two years. But yeah, the first time I got the proof, because on Amazon, you upload your files, your PDF file or whatever, um, and you can order a proof and you pay like three bucks or something and they send you. And it's got, I should have grabbed one. It's got this bar at top that says not for pre-sale or, or oh. pre-sale, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, but when, when, I, when I held it, it was like the pages were all askew and I've got these pages that are like uh, full blackout and they were all flawed. They had like issues. 
and the pages, the paper was too thin. It had all these problems, but I was like, oh man, I can hold it in my hand. Like I didn't care about any of the flaws. I just kept <laughs> iterating and improving. It was, it was great. Yeah. It was, it was everything I was hoping it would be. So how many of those did you order before you were like, this is the one? Um, I could show you, I could show you a stack. If, um, if, if we did this podcast a couple of months ago, I have a stack, uh, nine, oh, okay. nine, nine proofs. Uh, and what's interesting is like, the second one was way different than the third, uh, the first one. The third was way different than, but after like four, they were all the same. I mean, small little tweaks fix up, you know, kind of like a bug in a video game. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, there's a bug on page, you know, 151 or something where like, this isn't aligning or like the text got too big and it touched the page number. There was all these little bugs I had to fix. Um, and so, yeah, the, the last several versions were all just like, you know, 1% different, but that's all I needed to ship it. Oh man, that that's really cool because like it's uh, it is very al almost like how they people describe video games where you tweak a couple of things here or there, tweak a couple of things here or there, and then finally you just have like this finished product that you can ship to the world. But what was it like for you to see other people with the book? Oh man, um, people have been sending me um, mostly on Discord and Twitter, but like if you tweet at me with a picture of of your book yourself holding your book i will retweet it and, it and it brings me joy um that's been a really cool thing just to see it existing in the world mm -hmm. and like um during the christmas season i guess some people have been finding it it's been selling hundreds of copies and i'm just so excited that like there's there's been this buildup of books that are probably not even in people's hands yet right because they've been selling for weeks and weeks um but they're probably wrapped and underneath a tree, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't think people get them yet. So I'm like, I'm sitting here just like, oh, I'm like pumped up for uh, Christmas or whenever people are going to be opening their gifts because like, there's going to be so many books out there. People reading these words, people working on their own cool new games, maybe maybe coming and joining the Discord. It's, it's, it's really exciting, honestly, because like, you know, the only thing you have comparable as a game developer is like someone making a Let's Play or something, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But to see it in the physical world, like on someone's table, in someone's hand, it, it's a kind of a different feeling. Yeah, it's almost it's almost the kind of like a pro athlete having like a baseball card of themselves like out there, you know, like or a basketball card. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like I got a little, you know, there's a picture of me. <laughs> And I, yeah, I look kind of like I look kind of like that guy, don't I? I yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. good. It looks good. <laughs> Thanks. I was trying to basically. I mean, I I look like I, this is usually mm -hmm. what I wear. So I just basically was like, I'm just gonna draw what I usually look like. Put that in the book. So I gotta ask you. You just mentioned that people were gonna get their hands on this for Christmas. Has it dawned on you that you can possibly be like ushering a new wave of game developers with this book? Because like kids are or like teenagers are probably gonna be given this for Christmas as well. So like especially aspiring game developers. Uh, it could be that'd be amazing. Yeah. Um. The thing is, is like these days it is such a different world than where I grew up in. Learning make me sound old here, but like. You know, there were no game dev resources in the 90s. Mm -hmm. They just didn't exist. The internet was barely a thing, right? Like the internet didn't really become like usable and stuff until like mid to late 90s. Um, I had to go and buy a compiler, Borland C++ compiler. It was like 50 bucks back when to me, that was like a summer worth of uh, mowing the lawn and stuff for five bucks a shot, you know? Um, you know, back then a book like this might've made a big dent. These days you've got Unreal is free. Unity is free. Indie game, the movie has been and seen by millions of people. Roblox is, as an entity is bigger than anything I will ever do in my entire <laughs> career. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's just so many, like staggeringly many places for kids to get inspired. Like, like 
you know, I'm skeptical that the book will be the thing that kind of like lights a, lights a kid's fire and, get, and gets them into a career of games. But like, I would be, you know, I'd be hun- humbled and honored if that were uh, were to happen. That'd be really cool. Oh, man, it, it could happen. You never know. For yeah, sure. maybe it's the first that, you know, maybe maybe a, a kid will never have imagined they could make games until they read the book, perhaps. Yeah, right? exactly. Because like, mm-hmm. for me, I was playing games my whole life, right? We had Atari 2600. Then we got an NES and I, I literally didn't know you could make games. That wasn't a thing, right? Like I grew up in the Midwest. There were no software companies. There were, you know, we were lucky to have a computer because my dad worked at Xerox, but most families we knew didn't have computers even, right? Um, I forgot where I was going with that, but you know, it's <laughs> and a lot of it, a lot of it, of it is about accessibility. Yeah, for sure. Like having access to things. For sure. I got a couple of questions then. What words of inspiration would you give to someone who wants to be like an indie developer that's not in your book? Yeah, I think a big one is um, to integrate it into your life and don't try to make it your life, right? I think like I am probably a bad example of this because I'm a very all or nothing kind of person. I'm like, I'm the kind of like, I'm going to quit my job and just dedicate myself to that kind of person. I do not recommend that. <laughs> do do as I say, not as I do. But I mean, also like I I started doing that over a decade ago, right? Um, I think that like it needs to be treated like any other kind of hobby that you don't plan to monetize. Like just to, just because you can sell something doesn't mean you should sell something, right? Like I, I like making digital music. I have no plans to sell or make money from anything I do with digital music because I combination of like, I just don't really think I'm good enough. I don't understand the marketing behind it. I don't have a music business background, stuff like that. Right. Um, the indie game development stuff's different for me just because I've been so enshrouded in it. But I think that there's often a temptation for people to be like, Hey, you know, I write software for a living. Like I do like my day jobs. I make websites or something. So like I can make software, which means I can make video games, which means I'm going to quit my job and go do that. And like, that's, that can wreck your life. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's best to keep your good job, you know, dedicate yourself to the weekends, your, your evenings, like, you know, squeeze it in wherever you have time instead of um, trying to go all in something like a nice pattern I've seen from people who are in my discord is that they are releasing freeware games. So they're making games for free. They just put them out there just to learn. And you'll do this with your first game, second game, third game. Some, some people do it with their first 20 games, right? And then by the time you've made that many games, um, you have enough insight, you're really getting good at it. Then you can start to be like, maybe I'm going to charge for my next one. Maybe I'll make a big game for my next game. And maybe I'll, char- you know, I'll charge three to five bucks for it and see how much money I can make. And then you want to ramp it up over time, right? That And like in my book, I don't talk about the money. In fact, there's a part in the beginning where I'm like, if you're here for fame and fortune, look elsewhere, right? Like <laughs> there are there are other ways. Making video games is extremely hard. And if all you want is, is fame and money, go do something simpler and easier, right? Like that's, that's my <laughs> advice in the book. And I guess that's my advice in real life as well. Yeah. We can't share all the book because we want everyone to go to amazon.com and read the book. Absolutely. I, I got to ask you though, how hard was it to come up with a cover for it? Because like you have this orange cover with like this like silhouette of a controller in your hand and then you have some game consoles and right, other so different things like yeah, but yeah, like right below it. Like how hard was it for you to come up with like the cover and the, the art step for the book? Um, So there was some struggle with it. The, the cover first looked like, so when you open the book, mm-hmm. it looks like this, where it's literally like, I think the best place to start with anything is just the name of it, right? So like, 
the, the first place I begin when I'm, dining, I'm designing something is I scrape everything away that doesn't need to be there. And so it becomes how to make a video game all by yourself, right? Then, because it's a book, and this is not true for video games, I had to reacclimate myself to this, is you need your name. The author <laughs> is always really important on a book. And when it comes to a video game, nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's, it's like one game out of 10,000 people will be like, Oh, it's a Miyamoto game. You know, like nobody mm. cares with video games. They, they barely even care what studio made it. You know what I mean? Um, so then it was that. And then I've got this little slogan thingy, 10 steps, just you <laughs> on a computer, which is like, I don't even know if that's fully applicable because like, are they all steps? I don't know. There's just, there's 10 chapters, but like, um, then I, I, there was like some space. And so I needed to fill this, like some space. And so what I did was I took these drawings from later in the book. Um, it tells it's it tries to convince you to keep your input support down. So what I mean by this is like, um, I I think it's a lot of work to make a gamepad work with the game, um, and even like a keyboard. You got to make keyboards configurable. I just kind of caution against. Here's the uh, oh, choose wow. wisely. It shows eight different types of well, none of the VR headsets an input. It can be considered an input. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. But basically, I'm also about like reusing um stuff you've already made so i just took some of these drawings and stuck them on there and that's how i ended up with the with most of it the the title itself was really boring right and so i played as i mentioned earlier i have i, I experimented with an illustration where i was like how to make a video game all by yourself your game sprouts up out of you like a tree and i drew like a character i wish i could it's probably over there somewhere. anyway you've got this character with like a tree coming out of him and i illustrated the whole thing and it's in full color and it uh, kind of looks awful and so I think it's an important thing sometimes to bite off more than you can chew. And then you like, you let it go. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I, I went back and I'm like, okay, a simple, elegant design needs one thing. And all I want to do is make people think of a, a game in a subtle way. I need, I need to enclose the title to make it special, to make it stick out from the rest of this, you know, noise kind of, and I need something to, to enclose the title. So the game pad kind of spoke to me in that way. And then orange couldn't be simpler. It's my favorite color. Okay. Okay. It really That's pops. It. Yeah. <laughs> so any last things you'd like to shout out about the book though? About the book. Um, I, I've been changing how I talk about the book a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not very good at marketing and like, <laughs> you know, on the back of the book is basically marketing copy. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm getting pretty good at telling people how to make games and talking about making games. But like when it comes to selling the book, you know, these are new muscles I'm, I'm trying to develop. Mm -hmm. So um, how to make a video game all by yourself is a guide for anyone who wants to make their own video game. I don't think that's true. I don't think it's for anyone. I don't think anything is for anyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that just shows kind of a flaw in my ability to, to market and, and, and talk about the book. But I think really the book is for um, self-starters and they're for people who just need some guidance because the book is meant to be lean and tight. The, the book is uh, 200 pages. It is not meant to teach you how to program. We're not going to teach you how to make art. We're not going to teach you how to market your book. We're not even going to teach you how to sell the book. We're just going to grab you by the shoulders and have like some realistic talks about how the reality <laughs> is. I'm going to turn you around. I'm going to keep my hands on your shoulders and I'm going to march you to the finish line. Right. But I'm not going to tell you what technology to pick. I'm not going to tell you what language to program your game in. I'm not going to tell you if it should be 2D or 3D. I'm just going to tell you this is the next step that you need to get done. And I'm going to, I'm going to help you get there. I like that. Anyway, that's 
I'm trying to reframe my thinking and how I talk about it, but that, that's really what it is. Is it's 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 high level. We don't get into the nitty gritty. We mm-hmm. we talk about stuff as a guide. Um, it's also evergreen, which means it's valuable today. It'll be valuable in a hundred years. And it's platform agnostic. I don't care if you're making a game for uh, Android or Steam or you know Nintendo Switch. It doesn't matter. It's all the book should be helpful in those ways. That's cool. That's cool. So now that you got the book out there, it, what's the next creative juices? Does it go back to the game or does it flow to uh, another book? What, what's the next step? Um, I am working on my next game now. Uh, it is called Witchmore. I like the name a lot. It's, um, I like that. It's started off as a, um, a, a witch in the woods sandbox, mm-hmm. which is all about kind of uh, picking if you want to be a good witch and you want to go uh, harvest mushrooms in the forest and be innocent and make potions. Or if you want to be an evil witch and you want to go to the village and you want to uh, uh, kick down a door and 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 uh, shoot the parents of a baby and steal the baby and take it <laughs> back to your witch house and, and perform black magic with like a, like a blood sacrifice. Like it's meant to cover the whole spectrum of good witch, bad witch kind of gameplay. You decide if you want to be good or bad, right? Um, and recently I've gotten really into... Um, uh, bullet hell arena games you've probably mm-hmm. heard of like vampire survivors magic survival just, just uh, a little like, bit on the vampire survivors it's not like this the biggest game in the bit. world right now <laughs> yeah the, the influence of that game is, is it's enormous right like i have a spreadsheet as i do a spreadsheet for everything mm-hmm. uh going on 80 games that are inspired by the auto uh auto attack bullet hell arena games um and so i'm like detail I, i'm tracking them i know a lot about them anyway I found it irresistible. I love the gameplay so much. I have a lot of um, experience making arena games. And uh, like I, like, I kind of got my start making twin stick shooters. My first two commercial games were both twin stick shooters. And these auto bullet hell games are so interesting because they're like single stick shooters. Like you don't yeah. need the dual stick. They're like, they're, they're simpler and more marketable. And I'm like, I got to try this. Right. Mm-hmm. So I began to integrate that game into Witchmore, And so You've got this, these woods you can explore. You've got a village that you can go to and choose to be good or evil. And then you've got this um, bullet hell gameplay you can go into where you can like, you know, get more powerful magic uh, to fight off the hordes of monsters in this like very witch, witchcrafty world. That's, that's witch more. That's the thing I'm working on now. And uh, well, not now I'm, I'm going to hit it really hard next year, but it's, okay. it's in progress. Yeah. That sounds exciting. That sounds exciting. I'll have to add it to my wish list because you know, that sounds right at my alley. I'm next year. I'm going to have the steam page up. Okay. And then, uh, yeah. It's not even up yet, but I'll, I'll be working on it for three or six months before I actually launch it. So okay. it's, that sounds it's pretty coming. cool. It's that coming. Sounds... And the book is kind of like prepared me for that. Right. Like I've got a product out here. That's, you know, I, I, I can sell this while I don't have a game to sell is, mm-hmm. is kind of my thinking is I have something to, you know, attempt to pay the bills with. Yeah. And, and you also have a blueprint you wrote a book about this whole thing. So all you have to do is just follow your steps. Yeah, exactly. Like if I get lost along the way, then, you know, <laughs> I'm just not reading my own book enough. Yeah, for sure. Double down. For, for sure. So you mentioned Vampire Survivors. Let's talk about like your favorite games of 2022. Which What are some games that kind of stood out to you this year? Um, Domekeeper was really cool and interesting. Um, Spelunky 2 came out. I, I want to talk about it a little bit just because it came out on Xbox, I think, in 2022. Mm-hmm. But like... um. That game has been, uh, every other game has to get through the filter of Splunky 2 to me. Like, <laughs> I, I will sit down to play a new game. Like, I'll get a suggestion from a friend or something. And I'll, like, open up my Steam Deck. And it's already on the Splunky 2. And I'm like, well, play. Because I, I, I can hit the play button. Or I can, mm-hmm. like, go to my library and search and find what the game was. 
Um, this is basically a long-winded way of me saying I didn't play a lot of games in 2022, <laughs> but I played a lot of Spelunky 2. Um, I played a lot of Into the Breach. Um, I'm also a person who goes back and like when I got the Steam Deck, I, I played a bunch of like verified Steam Deck games, mm -hmm. but I also was really excited because uh, it meant I knew I had a new place uh, to emulate games. Oh yeah, that thing's amazing. Absolutely, it's such amazing. a good emulator. Yeah, Oh man, there's yeah, so many tools you can use. Like I've got this folder. I'm just gonna run this program and it goes blah, 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 and it just downloads all the images for you. It's it's like an emulation dream. So I went through and I played some of my old uh this year, some of my old favorite classics like uh Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Is I've actually never me. played that one. Oh man, it, it's it's just is it's almost as good as as like the Final Fantasy games of that classic era, mm -hmm. but it is like it's almost like Final Fantasy for kids. Right. It's like a like a dumbed down version, but it's super playable. The music, uh, like no compromises were made. It's awesome. It's super playable. There's no random battles. You know exactly where the monsters are. You can choose when you want to fight them. You can go back and heal whenever you want. Your party is not terribly complicated. You've only ever got two party members. And what I noticed is I was I would like go and I was trying to play through Final Fantasy VII finally. I know it's an old game, but to me, you know, I had never finished it. And like a lot of these RPGs are just so big and they demand so much of your time and attention. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Getting into the nitty gritty and the details and like, do I charge up this Esper or like what job system do I want to pick? And blah, blah, like, I think it's a lot for people like me who are already an octopus and doing so many things. things. Yeah. I'm already doing too many things. So like I found final fan, like I breezed through final fantasy mystic quest. Like I've played it many times in my life, but like uh, over a weekend, I just sat down just like, I didn't leave the couch. It was great. And the reason I was able to do that is because it's so playable. You know what I mean? It's so simple. There's and like you still get that good JRPG goodness, but you don't have like you know forty hours of backstory and and all that. Um, yeah, I I'm understand sure the games I played. But did any game overcome that hurdle of the Spelunky Two effect? Oh, I have to look at my let me look at my library. Yeah. <laughs> is there like a recent activity? Just based uh, yeah, on like uh, your description of the games you like, I'm surprised you like dive deep into Rogue Legacy 2 or something to that nature. I found I'm really picky about my my roguelikes. Mm -hmm. um, Spelunky 2 to me is a nearly perfect game, and so is Spelunky. And the the roguelikes that I get into these days are more like puzzle games, practically. In in they're just they're they're very finite. Um, Rogue Legacy to me has uh, what I would call slop. Okay, where it's uh, it, it's not that it's it's not that that it's a messy design, but it's like it it kind of dodges a lot of the design flaws just by having um, a wide range of numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And Spelunky is what I call base one, where you know you start off with four health, four bombs, four ropes. It's not forty health it's not 400 health you know like a final fantasy game you'll have like 4,000 health and at that point you'll have like dots like damage over time you'll have like oh you're poisoned you're taking five damage every second or just all these complicated things and a lot of roguelikes use those kind of rpg features and some of those games are really fun right um but to me i gravitate more towards the base one roguelikes so um 
Into the Breach is, is one of my favorites that I go to. I think that wasn't actually 2022. I think that was 2021, maybe. No, no, but it, it's it's semi-recent, you know. It's, it's new to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's another example to me of like, you know, it has roguelike elements in that some things are different every run and it's got permadeath, um, but it has that base one mentality where like your units will have like three health and you'll have these weapons that just feel so exact. Um, Derek Yu, the creator of Splunky, was recently talking about how when he designed Splunky, he was thinking of like a mountain climber and how when you're climbing a mountain, you have to do these exact steps one by one. And if you don't do them in this order, you could die. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these games that have that kind of slop, you know, that's not mountain climbing. That would be more like snowboarding where it's like, you know, oh, you're just kind of having fun. You just kind of just go down the mountain. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be precise, right? But mountain climbing, you know, if you put your hand in the wrong place, you might be dead. Yeah, for and sure. That's more the kind of roguelike I go for because that's very much the case in Into the Breach, where it's like one round could make or break your entire run. And I will sit there for like 20 minutes just staring at the screen into the breach, like not even <laughs> moving, just being like, you know, you do the chest thing in your head mm-hmm. where you're like, if I move here and then there and then there, and your brain is your brain is like having a hard time. And I'm like, then I think the monster will do this. <laughs> or actually in, in the breach tells you what it'll do. But anyway, that's that's more the kind of gameplay I go for, but I'm kind of a weird gamer. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, Slay the Spire, is that one that kind of got your attention? I've, I've had that one recommended to me. Um, I have a hard time with card games. Um, I think partially, if you, that, that one's a card game, right? I have that yeah, one, right? it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have so much Magic the Gathering in my brain <laughs> that any <laughs> anytime I see cards and they're not Magic the Gathering, I'm like, where's the where's the power and toughness? How much mana does it cost? To- Whoa! Oh, this is a, this different game. Oh, there's no mana in this game. Oh, okay. I, I have to get past that, but I don't know. I'm I'm a very picky gamer. I've heard good you, things though. Are you a tabletop gamer? You mentioned Magic. Yeah, I love. Um, I used to play so much Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. Uh, my wife and I try to keep up with board games. Um, we have played a couple of new ones recently. Um, we even went back and played some old classics like uh, what was that one Mastermind. I hear good um, things about Master Mancala. Wait, hold on. We played a really interesting one. I'm not going to remember the name of these. But yes, I do like tabletop gaming a lot. Um, one of my friends loves this really big, expensive, uh, expansive game called um, Descent, mm-hmm. which plays a lot like a classic I used to play called Hero Quest, where you've got characters on the board. Oh, you know, this is a relatively new game. I think this did come out on PC in 2022, and I have been playing a fair amount of this one. Is um oh no. Oh, it just oh, escaped you. <laughs> no, it just escaped. Oh, it's 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 a D word and it's one word. Demio. 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 I haven't it, heard of I, this. I thought one. of that. Demio is really cool because it began as a VR game, which is how I found it. I think it was suggested by my brother as a VR game developer. And in Demio, it's really cool because you're in this, like, uh, you're in a, a basement and it feels like you're in your friend's basement and there's like posters of movies on the wall and it's pretty cool. And you're all um, gathering around this table, which has, you know, your game on it and you're you're delving in dungeons. You pick a, you know, a ranger or a wizard and you physically in VR, you grab your character and move them around the screen and place them there. And so my wife and I are playing that with friends a fair amount. Um, and then Demio released on PC this year. And so that increased the number of people we could play with because most people we know uh, don't have VR headsets. And so, uh, yeah, Demio, highly recommend that one. It really scratches that itch of like, once in a while, I really want to play, you know, a physical game like Hero Quest or Descent or something. And, and Demio is, is like, they did a great job of kind of nailing that feel. I got to ask you, like, as a person who's developing a, a, a game, do you... 
you looked at the you just mentioned like vr's um kind of the hurdle vr has to overcome because like the install base is a lot lower than a traditional pc or anything like that like how much does that go into your mind while you're developing a game as an indie developer yeah great question um you do got to keep in mind the market um i saw a quote a while ago about a developer working in VR, which is probably still true today, which is you should basically not be working on a VR game unless your development is being paid for, mm -hmm. probably by either a publisher or a platform holder, which is they sometimes all, I mean, they usually, they almost always publish as well. But basically, mm -hmm. there's so much money in companies like Meta, you know, Oculus, um, Sony. Now PlayStation, yeah. Yeah, and they, like, there's basically a disparity, right? Like they've they've put so much money into the platforms and the software has not risen along with that and so basically the platforms kind of need to put their money where their mouth is and they need to they need to be paying for more games they need to be funding games right and yeah. um that's not always the case like like you know valve is not in that position um even though they have like they're doing vr and stuff but um you know there's an avalanche of games coming out in Steam all the time. Valve mm -hmm. does not have to put any effort into getting people to make games for Steam. Like that, that's a battle they've already won. But if you're a VR developer and you've got like a really hot VR game, the platforms, the VR platforms specifically, are going to be very interested in making that an exclusive for them, right? Um, and sometimes they want that to be built in-house because what's true about VR is a lot of times the tech is is more different. Uh, between them than it would be for say something like you know um a playstation consoles. or xbox you know yeah mm -hmm. like there are there are differences there as well but you know sometimes the difference is um quite significant right with the vr headsets because sometimes it's like they do or don't have these external cameras that can uh point out and, t and give you as the developer more information more spatial awareness of where you are in the device and stuff like that there's just a lot more variables partially because the tech is so much more complicated and partially because it's it's way way newer yeah, that makes complete sense. That makes complete sense. So, Matt, your game of the year is probably Spelunky 2. Am I mistaken in that assumption? Spelunky 2. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm just a weirdo. I, I've got the, I've got the toys right here on my desk. Like, you know. Oh, that's cute. I, I should have played 100 games in the amount of time I've played Spelunky 2, but uh, that's just who I am as a person. So do you think like in 2023, something's going to pull you away from Spelunky or you pretty much think Spelunky is going to carry its weight into the next year as well? Um. So Derek Yu is working with some friends of his on a game that's, I think it's supposed to come out in 2023, but it's called UFO 50. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's 50 Nintendo style games in one. And I cannot wait to play that. There are definitely some games that are going to like, you know, uh, get me out of bed or something. Like however, however you want to word that, right? Um, I could look at my wish list. Did you get the, the Atari is, collection recently? Um, I don't think I have that, but I have heard of it. I've heard good things. Yeah. What is it like 2600 games or, or like classic I, arcades? It's the 50th anniversary and it had about 90 games, about a curated list of 90 games. So it's Whoa. not bad. Not not quite like I'm probably not the entire library of the console, but not bad at all. Very nice. Yeah, I think also like the kind of indie game developer that I am, at least at this point in my career, I almost have to be um, obsessive and um, I, I don't play that many games. <laughs> and I, I 
right? Like, because I spend so much time making games and for me, I'm also, you know, running a small business. I'm trying to sell copies of my book. I'm trying to, to market it. I'm also trying to work on my next game, get my steam page up and yada, yada, yada. Like the list goes on and on. There are games where I feel like I have to play, like I need mm -hmm. almost for research. And then there are games once in a while where like, I cannot resist. I have to play those games are fewer and fewer between like game development. When you're into it, as much as I am becomes this sort of meta game, you know, like I don't play world of Warcraft, right? Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't try to push those numbers up. I try to push other numbers up like uh, steam wish lists and copies of my book sold and, and those kinds of things. Um, it's all just an excuse. I should be playing more games for sure, but uh, there's not enough time in the day, you know. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Especially as a solo developer, for sure, for sure. But you're juggling all these things. Surely you've probably seen a couple of good movies this year, right? Oh wow, yeah. Um, I've been watching a bunch of movies recently. What's some of the recommendations before we get on to the most daunting task you'll probably ever face in your life? Oh geez. <laughs> The thing is, is I don't know what came out this year. Um, no, just I kinda, any that you've seen recently. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I'd recommend them. Like just earlier today, I watched a movie called The Rental because um, I'm really into horror movies recently. It's so my, my wife's been uh, spending, uh, she's been out of town and stuff. And the only movies I know for sure I can watch without, you know, her being like, hey, I wanted to watch that with you because that happens <laughs> once in a while, right? The only movies I know for sure are always safe are horror movies because she doesn't want to see any of them. Mm -hmm. It's only the rare horror movie where I'm like, okay, you got to watch The Witch. It's, you know, she likes witches and it's right up your alley and it's not too scary. I'm almost like a, a canary. I, I will go and test the waters for her. You know, <laughs> up my analogies here, but you know, I'll, I'll go and watch a movie and I'll clear it for her. And I'm like, okay, you can watch The Witch. It's, you know, you'll, you'll love it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've been watching a lot of horror movies for that reason. And I, uh, I go, like I violently flail around. I'll, I'll watch like a, um, I'll catch up with like, you know, Midsummer, but then I'll also go back and watch a classic like The Omen mm -hmm. uh, from like 1976 or something. Um, but yeah, I, I try to, I try to find um, a nice mix of like, uh, my wife and I are also really into the Oscars. Like it's, that's coming up in a few months. Yeah. What yeah. We try for sure. to do is like use that as a curation system where it's like, Hey, surely these five movies nominated for, you know, cinematography or something, surely they're very pretty looking movies that you should watch. Right. And so we'll go and try to do that. Yeah, so I, I take it you're probably watching movies like the what was it, the whale right now with ben, like Brendan Fraser. Oh, I want to see that. Uh -huh. I want to see that. I love him. Uh, the Mummy is a perfect movie. I love Brendan The Mummy. Fraser. I absolutely it's love so it. Good. I even love That's the second good. one, and it's it is just a popcorn flick. Yeah, um, Brendan Fraser's perfect in that role. Um, oh, what's her name? Right there. Are there four there? Because there was one with The Rock where he was like a scorpion king I, I think that one's the scorpion king i would call that more of a spinoff but yeah it's it's part of the mummy franchise i remember there being one more movie than i'd seen and i was like i should watch that because the mummy is just flawless so no notes. I, so i think there's the mummy the mummy returns the mummy three where they're finding like the abominable snow mummies basically the oh. yeah that still has the main cast in it and then i think it spins off into the scorpion king and then like there's an off-brand scorpion king 2 movie and i think that's like the extent of the the mummy verse so to speak i see i think i am uh i think i'm behind i think i'm one behind but I, i'm a fan and i am uh, i am on board <laughs> well let like, me know suck, if you sign me up let me know if you deep dive into the mummy verse <laughs> well yeah, we'll maybe i'll have, have like, a, like a have like a binge weekend or something yeah for sure for sure <laughs> 
Well, Matt, um, this is our, our portion of the show called Are You a Pro Nerd, where I give you the most daunting task in all of nerddom, where I give you five different questions from all different ranges. It can be anything from Disney, anime, um, N- Nintendo, video games, all kinds of different areas of nerddom. So each each question will be a different area of expertise. You know, you'll try to see how many you get right out of five. If you get five right, you will be crowned the champion of today's podcast, a pro nerd indeed, and you will go down in the pro nerd hall of fame. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm shooting for at least one. That's my goal. <laughs> All what right. Five. All right. So we're spinning the wheel right here, uh, round and round and we round and wheel goes. everything. Yeah, I got a little wheel um going around. So awesome. And the wheel has landed on Lord of the Rings. Oh yes. I should be I should be good at this. All right. So in Lord of the Rings. All right. It's about so. the fir- one of the first three movies. I should nail it and I have no excuses. Okay. I've yeah. seen the fellowship 20 times. Well, thankfully, the, the first one comes from the fellowship. What okay, is I have the- no excuse. Yeah, for sure. What is the first voice we hear in the fellowship of the ring well the first voice you hear is uh uh, uh gladriel yep you got the first one correct kate kate blanchett the mm-hmm. world has changed yeah exactly. I feel it in the water <laughs> i smell it in the air you, yeah, you I, killed I, it. The, the first nine minutes of, of that movie is perfection and like you know anytime um here's, here's a little little fun fact about me anytime i get sick mm-hmm. i watch the fellowship of the ring I sit down on the couch. I'm like, oh, I'm miserable. I just turn it on and I just, I know I've got three. And uh, the extended edition only. only. I cannot, only. It's it's almost four hours long, but I'll watch the whole thing. And by the end of it, I'm usually feel a little better. Okay. Not too bad. Not too bad. I, I um, won. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Is that your favorite quote from Lord of the Rings before we get started on the next question? <laughs> yeah, probably. Because <laughs> you, you, you spat that out really changed. quick. <laughs> I, I also like um, you have an age today. There, there's a mm-hmm. oh, man, that movie's so good. It zooms in on on Gandalf's face, and it's the first. It, it when you first watch the movie, you just think you're like, you know, some directors just use the zoom in sometimes. Mm-hmm. No, Peter Jackson doesn't. Right? He zooms in. It's Gandalf trying to put the pieces together, but he's not quite making it. He's like, you have an age today, and if he were sharper, if he were paying more attention, if he were more alert, he might be like. You have an age today. We need to do okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to figure this out. This might be the one ring, right? But he's not. He's he's in party mode. He's seeing his friend, and there's all there's these little, yeah. Anyway, I could go on all day about that. But Chef's Kiss, just per- perfect movie. I, I love it. I love it. I I think mine is um Aragon's speech in the Return of the King, where he's like, "A day shall come when the courage of man shall fail." I like love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. Well, we, we have that in common. That's uh, we love those movies. They oh, are. For sure. For sure. I'm a big fan. So in the world of Pokemon, have you, you heard of these little critters? I, I've heard of them. Okay. Can't be so. in games not hearing about Pokemon. I've got Pokemon Blue on my shelf right over here. Yeah. One of the best Game Boy Color games, of all, uh, Game Boy games of all time in general. It's but very good. So in the world of Pokemon, what is the most common type of Pokemon in the games? Oh, geez. Um, well, the only game I played through was blue. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I was 15. Um, I had a 150 level Rhydo King. Um, so 
I want to say Pikachu, but that's either a good guess or a horrible guess because it's either he's in every game and therefore the most common or there's only one Pikachu in, in most of the games. So no, no, by type, I mean like the like the, the type. Oh, you mean like, like grass type or, yeah, the, exactly. or fire type. Okay. Hmm. The most common type. Well, just thinking out loud, I would... I don't know if animal's a type. It, I, I would guess bird or plant just because most of the ones I think of kind of fit that vague kind of shape. Um, I'm going to go plant. Plant type. Very close. Very close. It is water. Watcher. Oh, water. I wouldn't have guessed water. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a strong I guess. I have a gyrodose. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, isn't water strong against plant? I would have I would have lost that one. Uh, opposite. Plant strong against water. Plant strong against water. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. <laughs> uh, zero and one okay that's about how well i, be, I thought i'd be doing by now no no you're, you're doing good though you're doing good the next question is in the realm of harry potter so okay are you familiar with pretty familiar with harry potter i've seen all the movies and i read the first book that's it okay okay so you might have a shot at this one so what are the three forbidden curses in the harry potter movies or oh. franchise oh that's a tough one okay so definitely um abracadabra we'll count it okay what was it actually (laughs) (laughs) say it again it's not abracadabra aveda i believe is how it's pronounced aveda cadabra 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 okay i thought it was like abra abracadabra but you put cadabra in there that was my memory It's, it's been a while Okay. Okay. I appreciate the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the give there. All the other two, geez, I probably won't be able to come up with the actual names, but I think the one is, uh, one of them is where you, um, turn someone into something like, like turning you into a spider. Wouldn't that be a forbidden curse? No, you would think no? it would be because that's, that's a, that's pretty deadly. That's actually, that, that would actually suck. Yeah. That's not good. I thought I remember that in one of the earlier movies. Um, I don't know what it's called. But that's my second guess. Is I guess transmography, right? I don't know very, very close. Very close. Um, no, the answers are imperious, which is the curse that will allow you to take over someone's mind and make them do certain things. Just, just period. You don't really turn them into anything. You just basically they lose their control of will. And okay. the and the crucio curse, which is basically the curse that will that's it's the torture curse. It like sends shocks yeah. all throughout your nervous system yes that's right mm-hmm. yeah i remember the shot of like a creature like me yeah like don't do this what i'm doing children. so so when you brought up the spiders i was like oh he's pretty close like i think i know what i think that was about. not yeah mm-hmm. it's been years and most of this in my head is javascript and game marketing advice and so <laughs> the harry potter stuff just gets shoved out into the into the garbage collector no, but that was a good one. Not though. that it's garbage, just that that's how programming works. No, I understand. There's only so much room <laughs> in your head. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So let's go round and round and round it goes. It lands on video games. So Ooh, this might be like your those. area. Of, yeah, might be your area of expertise here. So video game history in particular. Which company released the first flight simulator game? Oh, man. That's hard. It's a deep cut. It is a really yeah. Deep cut. That was probably in the eighties. Uh, okay, I'm just thinking out loud. 
I think there probably were games, like, I don't know if they would count as flight simulators, but there were definitely like flight games on the older consoles. But then I don't, uh, like Pilot Wings era, Star Fox era would be like 92. Definitely in the, by the mid nineties, there would be some pretty significant flight simulator games on PC. I remember I worked, I worked at Toys R Us and we sold those like really, you know, elaborate flight sticks with the millions mm-hmm. of buttons that were like way too expensive. The question is first console or first publisher. What comp- which company released the first flight simulator game? Oh man. By the way, did you ever play with those like those joysticks at tar- uh, like uh, at Toys R Us basically? Did you ever get to like um, try them out? I don't think we had them on display. I think okay. all the only displays we had were the ones they sent us pre-packaged where it would be like um, you know, an Xbox display with the two oh, game pads yeah. like like drilled in there and you mm-hmm. just red versus blue would play on repeat all day. <laughs> um what's jumping into my head is Sierra Online, which I which I don't think is right. But I, I think a not horrible guess might be Microsoft. It Is might that be your final guess. answer? Yeah, because I don't know. I'm just going to say Microsoft. That's a very good answer because that is the correct one. It was Are you Microsoft. Kidding? Yeah. Microsoft, yes. Microsoft Flight Simulator released in, looks like, 1982. And it's the first of its kind. Oh, that's way earlier than I thought. I would have guessed, like, mm-hmm. late 80s. Wow. Okay. I'm a... One wrong, two right. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm doing better than I expected. No, this is pretty happy. good. I'm very this happy with good. this. All right, so let's hit the wheel one more time, and this is random, so I don't necessarily know where it's going to stop here. And for the first time ever, it stopped on a repeat. So this one is also video games. Are you are you okay with this, or would you? If like it's a the same question. I know it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. So this one's a deep cut, though. I feel I almost feel sorry for this one. Um, <laughs> I do almost feel bad for this one. What was Sonic the Hedgehog's original name? Oh, geez. I wish you'd ask me Mega Man because I remember that it's Rock Man. Mm-hmm. And I wish you asked me Mario because I remember that it's Jump Man. <laughs> and here, here I am throwing you. I'm like, look, look, I've got my nerd card. Don't take it away when I get this wrong. <laughs> Oh man, Sonic had a different name. This is low key news that. to me too. That's an old one for that is a deep cut for me because mm-hmm. we got a Genesis before we got a Super Nintendo. Oh really? Um, and the reason for that is because it came with Sonic. Mm-hmm. And I remember like my, my family would justify they're like, look, we can't, we cannot afford both. Like, like this one comes with a game and it's cheaper, so we're getting the Genesis. Sonic, I don't, I, I have no, I got nothing. I'm drawing a blank. It is. You know, you know how you were you brought up Mario is basically jump man, and it's basically just because he jumps all the time. Sonic is the really equivalent of that. It's just called Fast Blue Hedgehog was his original name. <laughs> oh, I think I did hear that forever ago, and I think it mm-hmm. didn't because I was like, <laughs> it's just so it's ridiculous, so not memorable. It's, yeah, it's like, come on, are you serious? But that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. How can you argue with that? Yeah, how can you argue with that? Yeah, it's a wonder <laughs> they didn't keep it <laughs> at this point. I will remember that one. Yeah, that was I will remember that cut. one for next time. Yeah. That was a deep gut. So we so how many is that so far? We have one, two, three, four. Is that four or five? I'm looking uh, I think it was four. I think that was four. We'll we'll do the fifth one right here. Lord of the Rings. Harry Potter. 
Harry Potter Pokemon, games, 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 games. That was five. So, oh, was, was it five? Oh, okay. And what did I get? We, two, two out of five. Not bad. Not bad. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. So we we have a bonus spin right here. It doesn't count towards your actual score. But would you like to see what like the question for the bonus? I, I believe in spinning the wheel. Okay, let's let's Spit go. It. So this one lands on Mr. Bond, James Bond. Ooh. Familiar with that? Uh, I've seen every single movie. <laughs> Are, have you really? Like even but the, the old problem school? is, yeah, all of them. I've seen every single James Bond movies. Uh, movie, every, even the ones that weren't uh, official. Mm-hmm. So I have no excuse. But I'll say that, like my wife and I watched them pretty rapidly over a relatively short period of time, and they really started to blur together. Man, they're always like. He's got what? He's got a little gadget. There's a sexy lady, you know, and there's like a villain who's bleeding out of his eyes or whatever. And, you know, like a snowboard. Like that's <laughs> like that's, you know, those are the ingredients. You mix it up in a pot and there's your James Bond movie. Like I love them, but they do. Uh, they do blur together. Let's let's see if I can do it. I will say like the Daniel Craig James Bond kind of feels different to me. It feels yeah, very, yeah, it feels that. more action-y. Than more action-y, yeah. more punch. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. More visual. Um, Let's see. Yeah. In the world of James Bond. The following we we have the following question: What initials are on the coffin at the beginning of the movie Thunderball? Oh man! Well, um, I don't remember, so I'm going to use what I what I know, which is that uh, the only <laughs> literally the old, there's the MI6 person who I think has one name, so it couldn't be. I don't think it couldn't be m right like because it needs to be initials so i'm gonna just guess jb since james bond damn you got it correct <laughs> you got it yeah. correct it was JB. i had no idea but i mean that's the only like you know it's kind of there in the question so i don't yeah. feel like it was a stretch really but sweet i wouldn't have got that in a million years i would have had to guess myself <laughs> like, <laughs> but but you did pretty well you did pretty well two out of five is not bad you got the bonus I'll question it. correct yeah I, I'd be proud. I'd be proud of that one. So, Matt, before we go, though, I have one last question for you. That is, where can the good people find you? Oh, I love that question. Uh, Come find me, especially uh, next year. I am dedicated to Valadria, V-A-L-A-D-R-I-A. Valadria.com is where I have a podcast called Make the Game. I talk about game development. Uh, it launches every two to three weeks. There's a newsletter. If you want game dev goodness in your inbox, I write advice, uh, like kind of similar to the book. I write advice all the time. Uh, there's a discord you can hang out in. It's all at Vladria.com. Me, myself, Matt Hackett. I go by Richtor. Mm-hmm. I'm everywhere online. It's R-I-C-H-T-A-U-R.com. It's very strange. It's, it's based off of Richter Belmont, but everyone, like you can't get that name anywhere. So I'm Richtor with spelled weirdly. Anyway, <laughs> Rickdoor.com. I'm Rickdoor on Twitter. I'm Rickdoor on Mastodon. You can find me in all those places. And I'm always talking about game development. It's nope. that's my life's obsession. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I, I'm a little surprised we didn't see any Castlevania love in the top five games of all time list. Oh, oh, what's funny about that is uh, it is number six. Okay. <laughs> <It's sorry>. right <laughs> at, and, and this, this is true as well. Um, I went and, and listened to some of your podcasts and there's mm-hmm. another Matt you had on the show. Mm-hmm. And you had asked him the top five question as well. So I was like, oh, I got to go look at my spreadsheet. Right. Mm-hmm. And I shuffled stuff around because like Castlevania, you know, 
I love it. One of my favorite, like to me, it was Castlevania one. That's the one on my list. And I separate oh, wow. those for Castlevania mm-hmm. three is also up there. Super Castlevania four is on my list. Um, Castlevania to me is a perfect game. I, I used to, uh, I used to speed run it, but I moved, I promoted Dungeons and Dragons Warriors of the Eternal Sun because it never gets any love. If I, if I said Castlevania, like I, I said Metroid and I said Final Fantasy, like I say some of the franchises that everybody knows, but sometimes I like to give the unknown one a little bit of love. And that's the one that kicked Castlevania off the list. Good catch. Cause I am a big Castlevania fan. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I, I kind of lied. I have one last, you know, one last thing <laughs> to actually ask. I love it. Uh, you know, like this is a new thing. I, I'm, I've started in the recent episodes of the podcast, so I quite haven't developed the muscle memory for this question yet. But I've decided I wanted to implement a pay it forward thing on the podcast where my guests, whoever they may be, would pay a, a piece of advice forward to the listeners. So I ask you, Matt, what piece of advice, just general advice, it doesn't have to be about game development. It can just be just regular advice you think people probably need to hear right now what advice would you give to them right now all right um so i write a lot of advice i mean my book is basically 10 chapters of advice right Mm -hmm. um and something i'd wrote written down recently but it's not going to come out of my newsletter for quite a while because it's i have this like content system it's like i have to think about it for a while and i'll edit it over a period of time but eventually sometime next year i'll i'll publish this once i figure out what all it means but it's an uncooked thought but basically, um, I think a lot about how hard it is to make it as an independent game developer right now. And like I was saying earlier, you know, I don't want people to just quit their jobs and jump into it. I think that what people need to think about when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life is which fight are you prepared to fight? Which battle would you sign up for, right? Because you will see certain things that you're interested in that have this mountain in front of you and you're never going to want to climb that mountain. You know what I mean? Like I used to be interested in uh, like biology, microbiology and stuff. And like, I don't think I'm the kind of person who can get a doctorate. I just, I can't go to school and succeed. I just don't have the right brain for it. There's other things like some, I really wanted to make movies. I just don't think I have the tools. Uh, You know what I mean? Like maybe someday Mm -hmm. or something. When I see the Steam homepage, I see a mountain of games and they are intimidating. And your average person is going to be like, that's too big. I'm getting that. I'm getting the hell out of here. Right. And I do that in other contexts. But um, the Steam homepage to me is a fight I'm, I'm prepared for. And I know I'm going to go, I'm going to launch my game on Steam. I'm going to fight for people to see it. They, very few people will. My game was is not going to make a ton of money. Like it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be years long of scraping and pushing updates and working really hard and trying to get people to play it and fighting for every sale. You know what I mean? So the advice is, is like, as you live through life, you'll see all these interesting things. I want to write a book. I want to, I want to travel. I want to be a CEO of a big company, like whatever it is for you. I want to be a pro sports person, right? Like how you, you know, you commentator, or maybe you go, you play the physical sport. Every single step of the way, you're going to get intense competition and you're going to have a wall that you have to climb. You have to fight no matter what you pick. So pick the one where you are like, I will fight. You know what I mean? Because there's some where I see them and I'm like, I don't have an Emmy. So anyway, kind of kind of an uncooked thought. But, uh, you know, there is there's almost no easy path to success in life. So you have to pick the hard path that you're game for, that you're down for. 
that's 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 the that's the advice i like that i like that I, that like hit me deep i was like i like that <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your fight like is this this is it is it like your fight like what like what do you see is it is youtube do you see that mountain like the videos are pouring in and you're like i'm up i'm gonna you know i'm i got my boxing gloves on mm-hmm. well my fight personally i i think i have a couple of fights in life um as a person i really enjoy podcasting and i'm like i, I want to do this i like i love podcasting i love talking to people like yourself i love just talking to people like the people who listen to the show so i love podcasting i think that's a fight i'm willing to look at that mountain and say i got it i think i got this in me and then as a gamer though like i look at this game this little game that i quit once upon a time and it's haunting me it haunts me at night i think about this game like several times i have this game loaded up on my ps5 and i refuse to delete it because i know i have it in me to beat it but i have to i have to get that gumption so to speak i have to see i'm like the lone cowboy who's like i i still got this in me uh, i'm down for one last ride and it's a game called Bloodborne. I don't know if you heard of this. <laughs> a little game <laughs> called Bloodborne. Bloodborne, back when I was in college, defeated me, soundly defeated me, and tr- trucked me enough to where, like, I put down the controller and I was just like, I'm deleting this from my game, like my console. I'm deleting this from my PS4. I'm never going to see this game again. But over the years, that 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 defeat has haunted me, and it's almost like. Kratos, you know, after so many years picking up the the chains of Olympus, you know, like his swords of chaos again and like saying, I, I got this fight in me again. And I'm like, I'm going to beat Bloodborne one day, or at least I'm going to try to beat Bloodborne again one day. <laughs> so uh, you can do it. Yeah. Others have done it. You can do it. I remember when I was playing through Spelunky 2, the game gets exponentially more difficult as you go. And some of the things you have to do are revealed to you as you play. And I remember... At one point, I saw the next thing I had to do, and when I when I saw it, I laughed because I was like, that, "That's impossible! You mm-hmm. can't do that. No one could do that, right?" Months later, I was doing it. Absolutely, that's crazy. <laughs> that's great. You can do it. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to your advice. I'm gonna pick up the controller again. I am going to. Uh, it's winter break right now, so I'm gonna start. I'll load up load up Bloodborne and such like that, and I'll give it another shot. I'm gonna start from the very beginning because I God knows I don't know where I was the last time I played that game. Oh I yeah, yeah, for sure. There's no telling. For sure, for sure. So I'll I'll pick that up and I'll kind of like start that all over again. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for all the advice. You know, Thanks before we me. go, we got one last plug. Matt, tell us about the book and where we can we buy it. Yeah, how to make a video game all by yourself is an evergreen guide for self-starters who want to make a video game all by themselves. Um, so you- it's 15 bucks on Amazon. It's 10 bucks on digital Kindle. You can get by the PDF. Uh, it's short. It's 200 pages. It's packed full of hand-drawn illustrations and quotes from notable creators. Spent two years of my life on it. It's one of the few things I've worked on in my life that I have no problem promoting because I think it's really, really good. And that's a rare thing for me. So, uh, yeah, go to Amazon, buy my book. If you like it, please write a five-star review. I appreciate that. But that's that's my uh, that's my book pitch. So, ladies and gentlemen, the like the link to everything Matt will be in the description. The link to where you can buy the book, the link to his upcoming podcast, the the link to his website, all that will be in the description of this episode. So you have no excuses, man. You got to go buy this book. It's absolutely amazing. Just like oh, Matt, you've been absolutely amazing today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. 
No, for sure, for sure. You're welcome back anytime. As a matter of fact, when this when your game comes out, I, I expect you to be on the show. We gotta do a deep dive. We're gonna talk all about it. Absolutely. Yeah, sign me up. It Let's sounds it. good. Sounds good. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you again, Matt. Thank you again for everyone for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out to Matt Hackett for being on the show today. I also want to remind you that if you want me or my community of gamers to give you feedback on your video game backlog list, then you should join us in the single player experience discord server. The single player discord server is also the perfect place to write in your questions or comments about the show. And who knows, you might even have a whole episode featured about the question that you wrote in with. The single player experience discord server is also the perfect place to meet other like-minded single player gamers and talk about some of the good single player game experiences that you've had lately. The link to join the free single player experience discord server is going to be in the show notes. So everyone, I want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you stay safe. I hope you stay gaming and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace.